0: Pope Francis made it known to a survivor of sexual abuse that he was talking to, that he actually fired Vigano as nuncio to the United States. No, this is not a nobody. He made a very public statement in the New York Times about Pope Francis's cancellation of Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano. And there you have it. Hello, LifeSite friends. To celebrate the momentous overturning of Roe v. Wade, we at LifeSite have minted just under 10,000 brand new limited edition Pro-Life Silver Rounds. Each round is stamped on the back with an image of the Supreme Court of the United States featuring the date that the High Court delivered this historic victory. And on the front of our pure silver rounds, we feature... LifeSite's logo, surrounded by brilliant sunbursts and draped with olive branches, and each round commemorates LifeSite's 25 years of pro-life, pro-family reporting in America, Canada, and beyond. These one troy ounce rounds are 0.999 pure silver, and LifeSite has just under 10,000 in stock. They're beautiful, historic, and forever enshrining the most important American pro-life victory of a generation. This first edition LifeSite Silver Round is the perfect gift for yourself or anyone you love that collects precious metals and is passionately pro-life. And each purchase helps directly fund LifeSite's pro-life and pro-family mission. This is the first precious metals collectible of its kind that is directly supporting LifeSite's worldwide mission that you know, love, and trust. And now it can be yours while limited supplies last. Get your one troy ounce rounds of 99% pure silver today by clicking the first link below and celebrate life with all of us at LifeSite News. I know a lot of people seemed very shocked last week when... Pope Francis went after bishops in Africa who dared to endorse anti-sodomy laws. He basically said we have to fight such laws. That came as a shock to many people. It was spread over all of the media. You shouldn't have been surprised at all. Let me give you a little bit of a review. I won't even start with the who am I to judge, which really (laughs) launched it off right at the beginning of papacy, but... Let's start well down the road, when Pope Francis came to America for the first time. If you recall, it was in 2015, and he met a lady, Kim Davis. That's actually tied to the situation of Vigano. But I need you to see the details firsthand to understand the significance. Listen to this. It is true that several times the Pope has said marriage should be between one man and one woman. However, he's also confused matters gravely, especially when he came to the United States in 2015. If you recall, at the time of his visit, Kim Davis, a Kentucky County Clerk, had been in the news. She, after a life of failed marriages, embraced Christ and stood for His truth. She refused to allow her signature on marriage licenses for homosexual couples. In fact, she was threatened with jail if she would not comply with the court order. That court order, of course, rejected her right to conscientious objection. But, heroically holding to her true beliefs, she, a mother of four children, was jailed for five days. When she did meet with the Pope when he was here, Davis uh, was advised that it was a private meeting and not to be made public until after the Pope left the United States. She was also forbidden to take photos of the meeting. And after the Pope's departure, her lawyer told the media about the meeting, and uh, there was much press interest, in fact. Initially, the Vatican refused to confirm that the meeting had even taken place, and with Davis not able to furnish proof because she was forbidden to take photos, and the Vatican, of course, refused to release photos, the media began to suggest she was lying. A couple of days later, when the Vatican finally did affirm that the meeting took place, things actually got worse. It was October 2nd, and then-Vatican spokesman Father Federico Lombardi issued a statement saying that a brief meeting did occur, but that it, quote, should not be considered a form of support of her position in all of its particular and complex aspects, end quote. Father Lombardi noted that the only real audience granted by the Pope at the nunciature was with one of his former students and his family, end quote. And who was that student and his family? Well, the student was Yayo Grassi, an openly gay Argentinian man who was accompanied, yes, by his mother and his sister, but also his male lover, Iwan Bagus, at this meeting, not only were photos allowed, but also video. And here, you can watch in this video, you can see Pope Francis greeting Yayo Grassi on the left, and then also embracing his homosexual partner. As I've said many times, we at LifeSight would love it. Pope Francis would, like Christ, visit and speak with sinners with love. But of course, he must also be like Christ in calling sinners to the fullness of truth, to repentance. When Christ saved, for instance, the woman caught in adultery from stoning, he reminded her, go and sin no more, out of love. But unfortunately, we haven't seen that with the Holy Father and Yayo Grassi, for instance, who has known the Pope some 40 years. He's been in his active homosexual relationship with Bagus for 20 years. As Grassi explained on CNN, speaking of the Pope's knowledge of his homosexual relationship, and I quote, he has never been judgmental. He has never said anything negative, end quote. If that wasn't bad enough, get this. That very situation leads right into Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano, because it was Vigano who brought in Kim Davis, as you just heard there, to see the Pope. And guess what happened? Pope Francis made it known to a survivor of sexual abuse that he was talking to, that he actually fired Vigano as nuncio to the United States because of that. It's from the New York Times. Let me read it to you. So Horowitz reported that Chilean abuse survivor Juan Carlos Cruz alleged the Pope told him in a private meeting that he didn't know who Davis was. And this is the quote from the Pope as recorded by the New York Times, as explained by this abuse survivor that the Pope talked to. This is, again, Pope Francis saying this. I did not know who that woman was, and he snuck her in to say hello to me. He, the he being referred there, is vegan by the way. And of course, they made a whole publicity out of it. And I was horrified, and I fired that nuncio. So those were the words of Pope Francis, as recalled by Juan Carlos Cruz, to the New York Times. Now, get this. People said, oh, you know, Juan Carlos Cruz, who's that? He's some guy that was abused and that the Pope spoke to, and who knows if the Pope said that to him? He's a nobody, whatever. Well, no, he's not a nobody, actually. Pope Francis actually appointed him to the Vatican Department dealing with sexual abuse. So, no, this is not a nobody. He made a very public statement in the New York Times about Pope Francis's cancellation of Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano, and there you have it. One of the things that's very hard to comprehend is how far down this agenda Pope Francis actually is. Okay, so you see right away out of the gate this stuff about, you know, same-sex marriage and not wanting to offend the homosexuals, but is he so far gone that he's into the trans agenda too? No, it couldn't be. All of that horrific stuff that we learn about uh, people disregarding their own gender even, that they're not respecting God's created the male and female, no, they say they're something else. They dress up like something else. They mutilate their bodies to appear as something else. Pope Francis couldn't be into that, could he? Uh, yes. In fact, not only did he have a trans couple come and visit and met the Vatican, calling the couple married and happy, he actually praised the work of a controversial nun known as the nun of the trans. You're going to have to see it to believe it. Check this out. LifeSite reporter Doug Mainwaring reported last week on Pope Francis's praise for Argentinian sister Monica Astorga Cremona, known locally in Argentina as the Nun of the Trans. Pope Francis's praise came in light of the nun opening a new complex of 12 small apartments dedicated solely to housing men claiming to be women and their sexual partners. In his communication with Sister Cremona, the Pope referred to her transgender clients as quote unquote girls. Dear Monica, God who did not go to the seminary or study theology will repay you abundantly, said the Pope. I pray for you and your girls. End quote. It's not the first time Pope Francis has shown a stance. Opposite what the Catholic Church traditionally teaches about the rejection of one's God given sexual identity. On October 2nd, 2016, Pope Francis referred to a woman who underwent a sex change operation as a man. He referred to her having married another woman and admitted to inviting them to the Vatican in 2015, describing the couple as happy. And clarifying his use of pronouns, the Pope said that he, that was her, but is he. As with most of his controversial remarks, the statements came during an in-flight press scrum. On October 2, 2016, on his return flight from his papal visit to Georgia and Azerbaijan, the Pope referred to a woman who, quote, felt like a man, but, quote, was physically a young woman, end quote. After a sex change surgery in sometime between her 20s and 40, Pope Francis said he got married. And also he said, quote, he wrote me a letter saying that for him, it would be a consolation to come see me with his wife. The Pope also said, quote, I received them and they were very happy. And you can add to that the fact that the Pope has openly promoted one of the biggest promoters of homosexuality and transgenderism in the Catholic Church in America, Father James Martin. The Pope named Father Martin to the Pontifical Council for Social Communications. The Pope had Martin speak at the Vatican's World Meeting of Families and also met with him personally in an audience, the photos of which were used by Father Martin to attest to the Pope supporting his agenda which has garnered opposition from several U.S. bishops. The issues surrounding transgenderism are complex, and today more so as society is pushing hard on this agenda and fiercely claiming that those who question it in any way are purveyors of hatred. We have gone so far as to criminalize, at least in some states and nations, psychological help for those wishing to normalize their sexual desires. The Catholic Church's teaching on the matter of sexuality are, however, very clear and they cannot change. The teaching was actually succinctly summarized last year in a document by various high-ranking prelates including Cardinal Raymond Burke and Bishop Athanasius Schneider. Called the Declaration of Truths. the document said, it is a rebellion and grave sin for a man to, quote, attempt to become a woman, end quote. It said, the male and female sexes, man and woman, are biological realities created by the wise will of God. It is therefore a rebellion against natural and divine law and a grave sin that a man may attempt to become a woman by mutilating himself or even by simply declaring himself to be such, or that a woman may in like manner attempt to become a man or to hold the civil authority has the duty or right to act as if such things were or may be possible and legitimate. So those are quotes again from the Declaration of Truths by Cardinal Burke, Bishop Schneider, and other high-ranking prelates. In the year 2000, the Vatican's Congregation for the Doctrine of Faith issued confidential guidance to bishops, noting that sex change procedures do not alter a person's gender. The document instructed bishops never to alter the sex listed in the parish baptismal records and said that Catholics who have undergone sex change procedures are not eligible to marry because, in the eyes of the Church, they would be marrying someone of the same sex. The Church's traditional stance on sexual teaching, while it is characterized by the secular world as unfeeling, even cruel, in actual fact speaks to the reality of human sexuality and is truly the only loving and caring stance. The falsehood of supporting lifestyles which lead to physical, mental, and spiritual harm may seem caring on the surface, but in reality, they deprive individuals afflicted with sexual dysfunction the care and the help they need and deserve. The best spokesmen for the truth on these difficult issues are actually those who have gone through sex change operations and have testified to the devastation that has resulted. Walt Heyer is a man who lived as a woman for eight years. He mutilated himself, actually, to appear as a woman. His testimony must be heard as it encapsulates the reality of sex change and the harm of affirmation of the rejection of one's God-given sex.
1: Affirming children into a cross-gender identity is child abuse. Let's be honest. It's not physical abuse, but it's psychological abuse. It's emotional abuse and it's sexual abuse. We cannot kid ourselves any longer and our children are being destroyed. I, myself, was cross-dressed at the age of four, 1944, 74 years ago. And as a result of that, I became gender distressed to the point to where I underwent gender reassignment surgery after struggling because of being cross-dressed in a purple dress at the age of four. Those we, we cannot ignore how devastating it is to young people to cross-dress them and affirm them. Do not kid yourselves. I'm here as a witness to this, that I'm still today stand before you with a mutilated body and a life that was destroyed in many ways, redeemed by Christ, certainly, but destroyed because I was affirmed and told how cute I looked how wonderful it was and went to a gender therapist who said, all you need to do is have hormones and reassignment surgery. That was in 1981. I underwent the surgery in 1983 because they said, this is the treatment for gender confusion. Wrong. It's destructive. It's not treatment. It's further abuse. This is the physical abuse, cutting off body parts. And filling someone with hormones is one of the most destructive things you can do. And it's not repairable. There's things that cannot be restored. I'm here as a witness to tell you we have to stop this nonsense.
0: There are many testimonies from those who have gone down the road of so-called gender transition and warn of its devastation and the saving power of Christ who was able to deliver them from the harmful and sinful lifestyle.
2: My mom refused to call me Jake. She never gave in to that. She never used male pronouns, and I hated her at the time for it. I was so angry, and I would demand that she would call me Jake. But the the truth was. Her not calling me Jake was like a tether to reality to me. I never forgot who I was. And in the end, when uh, Jesus Christ came into my life and he radically set me free, and he began to pull me out of that lifestyle and show me the deception that I had been in, and he began to set me free of that. And I was so thankful that my mother never gave up on me. She never gave into the lie, and she was like an anchor in the ground, always standing firm on the truth. And ultimately, she's the one that led me to Christ. And she was there for me when I was ready to come home. And I left that entire lifestyle. I walked away from the identity, my job, my partner, everything to follow Christ. And he's just radically set me free of all of it. I have no desire to go back.
0: But even though the church's teaching is clear on the matter, the confusion being caused by Sister Cremona, Father James Martin, and even the Pope himself is very grave indeed. Added to that, there is the societal pressure, even in the form of laws, that are crushing Catholics and all who would adhere to morality on these very issues. These issues are complex, and in the case of Sister Cremona, they are exacerbated by the fact that she is rescuing these individuals from sometimes dire poverty and giving them clean living quarters. Oh, what a joy it would be if Sister Cremona did that like a Mother Teresa, without validating these people's sexual sin. It can clearly be seen that she is affirming these poor people in their sexual sin because she's permitting these men, dressed as, and sometimes mutilating their bodies, to look like women, to live in these apartments with their same-sex partners. Moreover, Sister Cremona has promoted... LGBT so-called rights and gay pride marches, she could have helped these poor people out of poverty while offering them the Christian truth about God-given sexuality. Now, sure, that would be a harder path. Probably society would not celebrate her work as it is now if she were to do it that way, but it would be the way of Christ. It would minister to these poor people body and soul, giving them help both in this world and in the next. If you want a good picture of the new and false church that is being promoted knowingly or unknowingly by Pope Francis, Sister Cremona is a good place to look. There is a distortion of the Catholic faith happening to such an extent that the faith is becoming unrecognizable. There is a famous transgender activist and comedian in Argentina with whom Sister Cremona has associated with this biological man who claims to be a woman calls himself Lizzie Tagliani. And in a video in which he acts as an on-location reporter for a TV show, he walks around an outdoor Catholic celebration where he speaks with several people in the crowd Eventually speaking also with an extraordinary minister of Holy Communion who's actually distributing Holy Communion in the crowd. The transvestite Tagliani asks the extraordinary minister of Holy Communion if he can receive even though he may have sinned, and she gives him communion. There's commotion in the studio as this comes as a surprise, and Tagliani says jokingly, well, if I melt, I know why, because I received communion while being in sin. After the laughter in the studio dies down, the host says, Anyway, the Pope says to cause trouble. To which Tagliani responds, Of course, I just made a mess, just like Pope Francis said we should. The situation in the church is dire. We seem to have arrived at the times prophesied in Holy Scripture when even the elect will be confused. And here's where I want to ask you to join me in a plea to all of our faithful bishops and cardinals to speak out and to defend the faith which is being corrupted by the Pope himself. Yes, these times are hard and yes, it is a difficult stance to take for these bishops and cardinals who need to speak out to the Pope himself. But in fact, they're called to defend the faith. In fact, it was the very Apostle who was the first one to publicly confront the first Pope, St. Peter, on his error. He said this to Bishop Timothy, and it is a charge, I believe, to all of the current bishops and cardinals who are still faithful to the one true holy Catholic and apostolic faith. St. Paul said this to Bishop Timothy, I charge you in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who is to judge the living and the dead by his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. And that's the plea we all make to the good bishops and cardinals who are still willing to defend the faith for Christ, for his church, and indeed for our own children who are being deceived and confused in this time of great error and confusion coming from the Pope himself. You've got some of the story there, but remember, it gets worse and worse and worse. It goes all the way through appointments of the most horrific cardinals with an LGBT agenda. You have this situation in the church right now where the church in Belgium has proposed the the, uh, blessing of same-sex unions, and uh, Pope Francis is saying nothing. But we know where he stands because he's already approved all sorts of cardinals who approve of that. Think of McElroy. But... One of the things that was really, really disturbing was the James Martin phenomena. Father James Martin is a Jesuit priest who has promoted homosexuality for decades in the church. He's one of the most activist priests on the subject. And yes, Pope Francis made him first a, um, he was a speaker at the World Meeting of Families, the Vatican meeting. He was put onto uh, one of the pontifical uh, councils by the Pope. Um, I think it was social communications. But remember, Pope Francis met with him privately. Not once, but twice. James Martin was always using those meetings of the Pope to say that Pope Francis backed his agenda. And at first people thought, mm, maybe not, but now it thinks it's pretty clear. You know what's also interesting? Pope Francis actually answered dubia of Father James Martin. James Martin started a homosexual group, and then they had questions, so he asked the questions to Pope Francis, and Pope Francis responded. You know what's interesting about that? Do you remember there were some other people who asked Pope Francis some questions, some dubia? They were the four cardinals who were so scandalized by Francis, what Francis was doing that they begged him for a response. He never responded. Two of them have died, and it's just so sad. But he did respond to Father James Martin and his homosexual group. Check it out. Did you see over the last few days that Pope Francis responded to several questions, you might say dubia, from the homosexuality-promoting Jesuit priest James Martin? Funny how Francis can find time to answer certain questions, or dubia, when they come from a heretical priest, but not from four cardinals, in fact the most faithful cardinals in the church. Oh well. The Q&A between Francis and Martin is a great study in diabolic disorientation. It's a brilliant example of something called weaponized orthodoxy. So if you've ever wondered about that concept of weaponized orthodoxy, what is that all about? Have you ever felt like Pope Francis is trying to frighten us into abandoning orthodox Catholic doctrine? Pope Francis recently replied to a letter from Father James Martin and his new LGBT group Outreach. Martin posed three common questions from the LGBT community, he said. But let's see how Francis' answers contain truths and falsehoods mixed together, which sow confusion with ambiguity, and much more so than plainly teaching error ever could. So first of all, are the questions. Firstly, Martin asked, What you say is the most important, or what would you say is the most important thing for the LGBT people to know about God? Francis wrote, God is Father, and He does not disown any of His children. I'll just mention as an aside that it's difficult to reconcile what he's implying with our Lord's words in the Sermon on the Mount. Not everyone, he said. Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven, he shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But that's only Jesus, right? Jesus said, additionally, that at the final judgment, many will claim to have been his followers and done miracles in his name even. But unless they have done the will of his Father, he will say to them, and I quote, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. So let's move on from there. Question number two. Martin asked, what do you want LGBT people to know about the church? And Francis told them to read the Acts of the Apostles, where they will find, quote, the image of the living church. Um, is that the same Acts of the Apostles, the same book of the Bible, where, in perhaps the first ever papal address, St. Peter told his listeners, save yourselves from this perverse generation, where St. Peter told Simon Magus to do penance for his wickedness if he were to have any hope of forgiveness. Is this the same Acts of the Apostles where one of the first three commands imposed on Gentile Christians at the First Ecumenical Council was to abstain from fornication? But it's actually in this third answer from the Pope to James Martin that there's really revealed some kind of underhanded tactic in this whole thing. Martin asks Francis what the Pope would say to an LGBT Catholic who has experienced rejection from the church. And Francis writes... I would have them recognize it not as the rejection of the church, but instead of people in the church. The church is a mother and calls together all her children. Take, for example, this is again quoting from Pope Francis. Take, for example, the parable of those invited to the feast, the just, the sinners, the rich and the poor, etc. A selective church, one of pure blood, is not Holy Mother Church but rather a sect. So there's lots in there. There's much more than meets the eye in Pope Francis' response here. There's real tactics, as I said. The basic gist, of course, is that he is saying that the church is not comprised solely of holy or morally good people and affirming that homosexuals are also called and obliged to enter the church. That's, of course, what is true. We all believe that. Every Catholic should know this. But it's also clear there are two prongs, if you will, to this tactic. Number one, Francis is insinuating that we don't know this and that we think the church is for the pure only. And number two, he is insinuating homosexual persons are invited to join while not only continuing in their chosen lifestyle but also while affirming its moral acceptability. And here we have that modern phenomenon that is popularly known as weaponized orthodoxy, using true principles to advance modernism against the only people who actually care about those principles, faithful Catholics. Look, we don't need to go any further into the question of whether Christ and his church call all men to salvation and to living according to the natural moral law. We know this. We also know that all of us are flawed and fall into greater or lesser sins. More or less often, actually. Some Catholics, of course, may even fall into homosexual sins. If you want to understand this, it's very easy. Go to the encyclical called Mystici Corporis Christi by Pope Pius XII. He reaffirms there the settled and certain Catholic doctrine, and I quote, Nor must one imagine that the body of the Church, just because it bears the name of Christ, is made up during the days of its earthly pilgrimage only of members conspicuous for their holiness, end quote. That's number 23 in that document. But the idea that one can be a Catholic while affirming that homosexual acts are morally good is totally false. So, to bring it home for you, the Catholic who falls into homosexual sin, knowing that it's wrong, but being tempted severely, falls but repents, and he remains a Catholic. However, even if it were that Father James Martin remained always celibate, as his vows require, but believes and teaches that homosexual acts are not wrong, he is not a Catholic. The Church is completely clear on this. The Church is indeed selective when it comes to the profession of faith. As the Church teaches officially, and I'll quote it for you, actually only those are to be included as members of the Church who have been baptized, who profess the true faith, and who have not been so unfortunate as to separate themselves from the unity of the body or been excluded by legitimate authority for grave faults committed. That's number 22 from that same encyclical, Mystici Corporis Christi, from Pius XII. Someone who doesn't meet this description is not a Catholic. But did you hear anything about moral goodness and pure blood in there? No, there's nothing. Pope Francis already denied the idea as if, we didn't, but we do. A bit further on, Pius XII reaffirms the point. He says, Not every sin, however grave it may be, is such as of its own nature to sever a man from the body of the church, as does schism or heresy or apostasy. So, this isn't just Pius XII's teaching, mind you. He's just one of the most recent popes to affirm it. It's just impossible. For someone to be a Catholic, a member of the Church, while openly and knowingly departing from the Church's own teaching. The Church does not only include those of pure life, but the Church does include only those who profess a pure faith. So why is this important? Well, it's important that we accurately present the Church's teaching about loving those with same-sex attraction. But it's equally important that we present the Church's teaching about the Church itself, and who is a member. In other words, we can sometimes be in a hurry to address the detail of the particular moral truth being attacked, which can sometimes leave questions of faith to one side. Pope Francis is setting up a straw man. He's accusing us of a crass error against doctrine and making it seem like insisting on the life-giving message of the gospel is actually Pharisaism, or sectarianism, or Puritanism. He's trying to link an insistence on the natural moral law with the error that the church is comprised only of the pure. And all this to try to frighten us away from the truth about the natural law. He does this with powerful weapons, orthodox points of theology twisted out of shape. He's trying to say that Catholic orthodoxy itself requires us to accept as Catholics those who deny the Catholic faith. Similarly, he's trying to make people of goodwill think that groups like Lifesight are insisting on some impossible and theologically wrong standard for membership. The, the idea he's imputing to us is nearly heresy, or what's called by theologians, proximate to heresy. He is accusing us of being near to heresy and using this to try to frighten us into giving up Catholic teaching, both on sexual morality and on the Church itself. There we have it, something called weaponized orthodoxy. No, friends, the Catholic Church is not comprised only of good men and saints, unfortunately. But the Catholic Church is comprised exclusively of Catholics, those who profess all that the Church teaches, even though they may fall into sin. And there you have it. That's why at LifeSite News, we're not surprised about Pope Francis' latest heresy regarding homosexuality. For LifeSight News, this is John Henry Weston. May God bless you.